everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. This is our second episode today, and we've got Ty Taylor, a.k.a. The Flip Man, coming in from Birmingham, Alabama. And we're going to talk about how he's created multiple millionaires and multiple six-figure earners, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, I was saying, you know, on the post before, you know, we got my show, we've got Max Maxwell, we've got, you know, uh, Sean Terry, but here's someone that's been doing it even longer, which if you can imagine it. So um, if this is your first time tuning in, I am Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties. And I help entrepreneurs create businesses that support their family, lifestyle, and goals through mentorship. I'm on the mission to create 100 millionaires. If you want to join us on that journey, please drop me a message on Instagram at steve.trang. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And as a friendly reminder, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to this show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. Either share this episode right now, tag it from below, or tell them your best takeaway from the show later on. That way, we, that way we can all grow together. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Ty to answer. You ready? Ready to rock. All right. So first question is, what got you into real estate? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna try to give you the, the Cliff Notes version. Um, I'm an entrepreneur first, and a uh, friend of mine back in 2002, October of 2002, his wife. Um, his girlfriend, now wife, were going to school to become real estate agents. And the guy that normally taught the class was absent, and the substitute that replaced him that particular night uh, talked about creative ways of doing real estate with no money down. Uh, the guy's name was Don Williams. He's passed on now. but So my friend, knowing how I am, he mentioned it to me, you know, just in passing more so. And I didn't act on it at that time. Fast forward to uh, Christmas, December 27th, to be an exact couple of days after Christmas. I was at my mom's house uh, waiting for her to prepare breakfast, my favorite bis biscuits and syrup. and uh, <laughs> Biscuits and syrup? Yeah, <laughs> maple <Okay>. syrup. And, <laughs> and uh, I was watching... Uh, Carlton Sheets, I caught one of his No Money Down infomercials halfway through the program, and I had seen it over the years, and you're like, yeah, right, because everybody, Carlton helped me make this much money, Carlton helped me, but how did Carlton may help you make the money? So I went up the dial and caught one from the beginning to the end, same thing, basically, and so I thought to myself at the end of it, he can't be lying about all of this, right? Yeah. So my mom didn't have internet at that time, and so when I got back to Birmingham, I did a, uh, I posted a question on this entrepreneur message board, um, uh, does Carlton Sheets program really work? And only one person replied. What year was, was this? Uh, this was 2002. Yeah. It's crazy to just think about, like, yeah. and I don't want to interrupt your story, you yeah. know, like, I graduated high school in, in 98, and like, okay. I was like, one of the leading edge people with internet with dial-up in 1998. So it's just so interesting to put in a perspective yeah. when you started this. Yeah, yeah. The internet, man, wow. <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah. yeah so um, and so, uh, one person replied, and I wish I could find that individual. Yeah. I wish I could because it changed my life financially. He said, yes, it does, but Ron Legrand's course is better. So I did a search. Um, on YouTube, I mean, on Google uh, for, I don't know if it was, it might have been Yahoo, whatever, whichever one was. Whatever, whatever was around there. Yeah, so um, that's how far it's back. People are like, <laughs> there was no Google? It's Alta Vista or <laughs> yeah. Webcrawler or something. Yeah, AOL. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, 
and uh, his course was fifteen hundred dollars. But it was a package of courses. It was uh, wholesaling, lease options, subject to uh, fix and flip or retailing, as he called it, uh, owner financing. And um, and so at that time, uh, I was only probably making about twenty one hundred a month into my job, which is not bad for Birmingham, Alabama. I'm talking bring home pay, but that still would have been a sacrifice. And so um, I, uh, I said, well, I, you know, I'm going to have to get a second job to save the money for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I thought about eBay a couple of days later, and I did a search on eBay, and um, uh, his course was for sale. That exact package was on an auction. I lost the auction, and back then, sellers could reach out to people that bid it through email to, you know, and I know email, I mean, eBay soon corrected that, mm-hmm. and they asked me, did I want a, a, a copy of the courses? And so we agreed on $400, which still was a sacrifice for me. And I bought that course for $400. And it took me about three weeks to go through all of it. But what stuck to me was wholesaling, somewhat lease options. And I went, and another thing was bandit signs. So I purchased 250 bandit signs for, I'm sorry, I purchased 50 bandit signs for $250, which was, which was a gross overpayment. But I didn't know any better at the time. Put them out on a Sunday. I got to pick them up on a Friday. Put them out on a Sunday morning. And the very first two calls I received were deals. Uh, one of them was a lease option deal that blew up in my face. The lady gave me $5,000. They ended up having to give me the money back. And the second one was a wholesale deal where I made $2,500. So basically within 30 days, I made my first $2,500. And the rest is history. That was in early March of uh, 2003. So, so the $400 is worth it. Oh my God! <laughs> I can't even put it. And Ron, if I ever meet Ron Legrand, I owe him um, fifteen hundred dollars. Literally, I would. Or probably, pa- we're past yeah. the statute of limitations. Yeah, so, not the right way yeah I know. So, so it's funny, right? Like you look at back then, you put out a few banner signs, and two deals came from it. Yeah. Like I, I remarked from time to time, like I was doing pay per click in two thousand twelve. Oh, right, and it was it was just yeah. me and Sean Terry, yeah. and it was twelve dollars a lead. Yeah, high quality, little to low competition. Yeah, so wouldn't it be great if you could just put out three bandit signs? Yeah, <laughs> and get leads. I, well, well, you said that about pay per click. I was in before that. Yeah, I was getting them at like a dollar a lead. No. Yes, <laughs> and I stopped doing it. I expensive. thought it was too much. <laughs> Just imagine that. I was getting so many leads, and I thought that was too much. And I I should have been able to retire just from Google AdWords yeah. because it was so cheap for real estate terms. Or would I sell my house fast, buy my house fast? Damn. You know, just <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> when were you doing that? Uh, this was, so I started in 2003. I probably had a site up uh, and doing the ads um, Whenever they first started. So whatever that was for Google, um, so I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, because Google was like like 2004, 2005, and they had all those yellow things on the side. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, you were there already. I was one of those. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could just go back, oh. just 2004, Ty, where would you be? <laughs> oh my God! That, at a dollar click, <laughs> and the money you could make, yeah. I, I, it didn't click in my man. That's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you was, you you were good with twelve dollars. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, just wow, just man. <laughs> just, the, Wow, uh, the time machine would be just 
You can't put a price on it. So you were putting out bandit signs. You closed the deal. You got twenty five hundred from your first deal in yeah. your first thirty days. Yes. And then what happened after that? Well, that that probably had to happen for me because I had failed at so many other business opportunities. Pretty much everything I tried before, and so. Um, um, I was, you know, just to go back a little bit more, just to give you an idea, I was in college and I had the great idea I was going to take some of my student loan money and start a used car dealership and got my hat handed to me because you need to be mechanically inclined when you go out to these auto auctions because they will make a, a 10-year-old car look brand new, mm-hmm. but it will be a total piece of junk or whatever. So, yeah. but the point being is that um, uh, after that first deal, now that was March of 2003, I didn't do my next deal until June of 2003. So almost three months, well, three months did elapse. Yeah. And the girl I was, and I really wasn't doing anything. I was just so riding high on that $2,500 and the girl I was dating at the time, she was like, um, I, I know I don't know as much as you know about it, but don't you think you need to do another one? <laughs> so so uh, the next deal I did was uh, I made five grand on it. Um, it actually, I found a deal and a, a bird dog referred the cash buyer to me. And that $1,000 fee I paid to that bird dog may have turned into a hundred grand with that guy just yeah. in the next couple of years or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, because he bought a lot of properties from It had gotten to the point where if he didn't want the deal, I didn't think it was a good deal, and I had to sort of break ranks with him because mm-hmm. he just had his parameters on what he thought was a good deal, and he just can't go back because you know people buy at different yeah. different levels or whatever in different areas and so such on. So, but so, um, so you're doing deals. So like, at the end of your first year, you did like how many deals? Um, I don't know how many deals. I can't remember. I can just tell you, I was only making like say about forty five thousand a year. I think I did about sixty thousand. And deals that first yeah. year. So your first year, you've proven to yourself, yep. this is better than your job. Yeah, but I still didn't quit. You didn't quit. I was afraid because I left out part of the story because I didn't want to get long-winded, but I guess I got to explain that. Is that uh, in, let me see, what year was that? Uh, okay, so in 2001, um, okay, I had a friend of mine who um, used to sell uh, pre-arrangements at a funeral home at a cemetery mm-hmm. and if you don't know what a pre-arrangement is you, you go out and pick out your casket you know the plot where you're going to be buried the cemetery obviously you just, you just plan it out you know so you don't leave that burden on your family okay the first year my friend was out there he started in March of whatever year that was and to the end he made $110,000 the next year he made $106,000 and so, and you know, it seemed like he had all the freedom in the world because it was 100% commission. And he said, Ty, even if you don't only do half of what I do, you can still match your current salary, blah, blah, blah. Now, I just knew him from college, and he just ran his mouth a lot. I didn't know that most people are like that. They are good at convincing people in what they believe, and that's all a good salesman is, mm-hmm. is that he would go into the, and I should have went on an appointment with him before I quit. Because, again, I just knew him as my clown friend that I used to gamble with in, in the dorms. Mm-hmm. He would go into these people's home and he would make them feel stupid 
if they didn't do what he said. Not in the sense he was intimidating them. It's like, why would you put your family through that when you can take care of it now at today's prices versus 20 years from now, they may have to pay triple, which is true. You know, that's real with that business. But it's still, you're selling, uh, uh, you're selling a casket to a living person. That's a very it's hard tough. sale. It's tough. So anyway, so when I got out there February of 2001 um, to February of, uh, I'm sorry, July of 2001, I did a grand total of $7,000 in sales before taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before taxes. So was it? I nearly starved to death. Was he telling the truth? He yes. Was making hundred thousand. Oh yeah, he was getting a check out. The, the way the way they used to pay us every Friday, the manager of the facility, he would pass out checks. It was straight commission. So if you didn't do anything that week, you didn't get a check. He's constantly getting checks for eighteen hundred, twenty two hundred, twenty five hundred. Some some weeks. 4000 and I'm getting zero. So you were uncomfortable with the selling style? Yeah, I couldn't sell. I can't mm. sell. Mm. <laughs> this is not the selling style. I can't sell. <laughs> this is not the selling style. I, I can't sell. Yeah. And so uh, I quit there. And um, um, so I had, a, I, I'm sorry, I quit my job at Bell South, the job I was making the 45 at. And uh, everybody thought I was crazy, and they were right. And so, long story short, when 9-11, had, I had already quit at the cemetery. When 9-11 happened, it was at 9-11, 2001, I was laying in my bed feeling sorry for myself, and I was watching the news, and they said, oh, my God, a, a plane just went through one of the world tri- tri- uh, tri- towers. And then, you know, they were showing it when the second one went in, and you knew it wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I said, I don't really have any problems. I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself, blah, blah, blah. So I got a job at Singular Wireless, which is was a, a arm of, it was the, the wireless arm of Bell South at the time. Mm-hmm. But that, that we did exactly the same thing, but the income was half of what I was accustomed to. But it still was better than zero because I was unemployed. So that was in October of 2001. So in June of 2002, I got my job back at Bell South. All right, now this is before real estate. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I had to explain all of that is that the reason I didn't quit, even though I had already duplicated and well, exceeded my More salary the first year, I was afraid to quit. You know, because I just, even though I was spend, getting the checks in my hand, I was afraid to quit uh, because, you know, how, how bad financially I had gotten, you know, during that time that I quit before. Plus, managers spoke up for me to get the job back because of the job in high demand. And I felt like I was, you, you know, turning something. my back. I owed them something. So, so I stuck around. I stuck around. So I started wholesaling and uh, basically... Uh, January, well, you want to count today? I got my first check, but March of 2003, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was just getting in because I had already seeded a hundred grand at that point, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I just it, the job was getting in the way. So I quit May 1st of 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, I dropped the mic on the job. So uh, basically, how that went, I went in one day, I just left a closing, and uh, came in and. Um, I probably picked up a check for seven grand, and somebody said something crazy to me, one of my supervisors, and I called up to the clerk's day. I don't feel very well. <laughs> and I reported out for the next two weeks, and we were closed on Sundays. And I went up there, I took a resignation letter and put it on the clerk's desk and on my immediate supervisor desk that I was quitting because I didn't want them to call me and all that stuff. And so it was official for May 1st, 2006. So, so I want to hit on something here. Um, 
you feel like you were not a good salesperson then. Do you feel that differently today? Um, I, I understand what my weaknesses are. Okay. And um, I'm w- much more engaging than I used to be mm-hmm. um, out of just need and networking. That's one of the reasons why I'm here now. I wouldn't have done this three years ago. Yeah, I wouldn't have done this three years ago. So the reason I want to bring up this point is because going back to it was cheaper for pay-per-click <laughs> oh my God, yes. many, many years ago. But it wasn't just cheaper. It was easier. It's like, Ty, your house is worth 200000 I can give you one thirty. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah, that was the conversation. There was no yeah pain. There wasn't no like, man, what's gonna happen? You can't sell. Yeah, it wasn't a hard close. It yeah. was just like, look, here's the contract. Like, you sign it or don't sign it. I don't care. I got other appointments. Exactly. It, it was a lot easier. You're right. Back then. Not only was it easier in that aspect, financing was so easy. For I don't care what type of neighborhood in the Diaz and Dog neighborhood, I guess you want to say, quote unquote, the hood. People that were they were buying first time homes in those neighborhoods. They do it now, but they were really doing it then. Yeah, you know, most of those neighborhoods now are just rental income neighborhoods. But back then, man, it was uh, oh my god, it was so easy. So on top of the cheap advertising with Google, it was easier to move deals. I know it seems like that way now, but it still wasn't as easy as it was pre two thousand, late two. 2007, it was so easy to move deals. Oh, I mean, up to 2006, I wasn't even in the business then, but I got I got to imagine, it was nothing. It was nothing. Oh yeah, I, I say you could get a ham sandwich, find a ham sandwich finance back then, literally. <laughs> you, have you ever seen the movie The Big Short? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, you see how they had just went in and saw the strippers, and she uh-huh. was telling them how she All the was doing. Properties. Yeah, <laughs> no doc loans or whatever. Yeah. She had like six houses, so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that that movie gives you a real idea of how easy real estate was back then. It was only because of the subprime lending market, and once that exploded or went away, you know, my buyers just overnight went away because they would buy a property and refied basically within two weeks and get all of their money back with profit, mm-hmm. you know, at 80%. Yep. You know, it was just so easy, you know, whatever. So, but anyway, guys so, are doing that, I don't know that. So. <laughs> so you must have then, since you started before the recession, mm-hmm. there must have been some challenges. Understatement. I was a young man, a lot younger man than I am now. Um, that was the most money I had made in my life. By far, all I knew is I was making more money every year. And I got crushed. Got I was I had got into flipping. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I don't flip now, right? Flip man. Yeah. <laughs> well, wholesaling is a form of flipping. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I, I got crushed. Uh, I had seven houses that I was paying uh, hard money loans on, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, when I knew that it was changing, I didn't know it, but I, I can tell you the moment, looking back, when it changed, I, we were at a closing, and I was about to pick up a check for $13,000, I think. And my guy that had bought a number of deals from me was just on the phone, just making sure he can go ahead and get it refied out. And his main lender told him, say, no, nah, we, can't, we can't do any no deals right now. We're on hold right now. So he called his second, because he was a mortgage broker himself. He called his second guy, and they didn't even answer the phone. He called his third option, and they told him they were on hold. He said, Ty, we can't do it. We're in the closing. 
we can't do this deal right now. I can't I can't get none of my lenders on the phone. I'm like, huh? He said, we're going to probably do it tomorrow or whatever. I'm, we're just going to hold off. You know, like we had sellers, because the way I did most of my stuff, the seller's right here, he's right here, I'm here. You know, because, you know, he and, you know, so it's no big deal. And so the seller was cool with that, but it basically blew up my sake. So that was like, that was late uh, 2007. That, that I realized, most people say 2008, but when I realized it's from there. And so, um, man, um, I, I went into doing some lease options, not very well, just to keep a blood flow, but I was spending the money I was making. I, I should have been, see, like people keep saying, well, you know, a recession is coming, the, uh, coming or the, the uh, real estate market is about to crash again. That's fine. That, you know what that means? There's going to be a lot of underpriced real estate mm-hmm. available. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's when you're supposed to get filthy rich. That's when the rich and get rich. Yeah, that's right. You know, so if, you, if you're if you the one that has accumulated enough cash, that's when you really pile it up mm-hmm. or whatever. And I wasn't one of those individuals. I was spending it out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, lesson learned. Like I said, I was, I was making an X amount. I was a single man. Um... Uh, I was living that way. Yeah, you know, well, there's so, a lesson there, right? Like yeah, for oh, a lot yeah. of the guys that are, you know, young now, uh, you know, the guys and girls listening to the show, yeah, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. But be smart with that money. Yeah, very smart. Very smart. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. And so um, um, I got into the gold business after that. I was still doing a little real estate on the side. Mm, but there was, what, a, there was a lot of we buy gold signs. I was one of those. You were one of those guys. Oh, we, was, <laughs> like, we, were, we were doing thirty and 40000 a week. Really? Yes. How? Tell me about that business. <laughs> I mean, that business doesn't make sense today. And I was on the tail end of it. I wasn't even on the, the front end. Whether you people remember people used to mail in the gold. Uh-huh. Those are the guys that Miller really made a lot of money. And yeah. then people going around doing gold shows at different hotels in different cities. The, I was on the tail end of that. Yeah. And I still was doing what we were doing or whatever. But basically, you were buying gold like jewelry is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're buying jewelry, basically, in most cases, gold and silver, sometimes platinum. And you would buy it. What most people don't understand about jewelry is a depreciating asset. Like you see, um, oh, I'm not going to bring him up, but um, you see somebody may have paid this amount of money for a diamond ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot. <laughs> you it's know, over. It's over with. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you, you can't ever go back to that jewelry store and get that. It's like buying a car. Yeah. It's, it's, it's worse, worse actually. It's worse. it's worse. So um, so we would buy gold. So someone would come in with a uh, what we call a herringbone, the thick gold necklaces. Mm-hmm. Number one, it needs to be real first. but and, um, <laughs> and we would normally buy it. I'll just say this. If you spent 1500 on it, we would probably give you maybe 300 on it. Mm-hmm. And we would go resell it for 600 at a, at a refinery. They will pay us 95% of what the current gold prices are going for. Yeah. It's a formula that you use to get you to that You were wholesaling gold. Yeah, basically. But we were actually spending money to buy it, though. Yeah, yeah. so basically. So, but we were normally... Oh, so, you're, so you were flipping gold. Yeah, we, we, would, we would buy it at 50% of what we could get it for, what yeah. we could get cashed out for. And so, you know, we would ride uh, about an hour away from Birmingham in any direction. There were a couple of people that did it, you know, paid 95, 97% of whatever the market is. And, you know, we would come back with a pile of cash, man. You know what I'm saying? So, so you were in a tail end of that. So that died. Yeah, that died because for me personally, it died because I tried to expand in markets I shouldn't have. 
If I would have remained in just the same location and just kept it there, you know, I probably would still have that store open mm-hmm. or whatever. But I opened four more stores. And um, so more, everybody, so lessons yeah, too. everyone made money except me. Uh, it, it had gotten to that point. Yeah. Every Friday, I was paying my employees. Everyone was making money except me. So yeah, and I think that's one of the things that you know a lot of guys in uh, right now that are, are doing well, having some success. Now they start scaling. Yeah, and scaling is not just a matter of like, okay, I'm gonna quadruple my business. I'm gonna quadruple my money. That doesn't no. always mean that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You might quadruple your revenue. Yeah, <laughs> but you're definitely not quadrupling exactly. your profits. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so so gold dies. What year for you? Um, around probably 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay, so you know we're talking about earlier, right? Like you started. As far as I can tell, you were the first guy on YouTube. I don't know anyone. Do you know anyone before you on YouTube? You know, I never even thought about it in that way. Well, see, I, I looked at it as like you know Carter Sheets and Ron Legrand, yeah. uh, Bill Bronzecheck. Um, I think that's how to pronounce his name. Bond Street's an attorney. Okay. Um, who else was the other guy? Um, that was a commercial real estate guy. I can't think of his name. Steve something. Yeah. I don't remember if they were on YouTube, though. So I, some, someone may can verify that or whatever. So I may have been one of the first. I don't know if I was the first, but no yeah, cause I, I was. I've done my own research. I was like, who who the hell is Flipman? And why can't I catch him <laughs> on YouTube, right? Because yeah. like for me, when I was... I'm somewhat competitive, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at it. We got Max Maxwell, so he was there six months before me. Mm-hmm. He didn't start that much earlier than me, yeah. right? Uh, so you got Max Maxwell, and then you got uh, Antonio Edwards, who's been doing it longer. Yeah, he's been out there a long time now. Yeah, he's been out there a long time. You got yeah. Brent Daniels, right? Who's yeah. uh, we just hung out with a couple yeah. of, uh, over lunch. Yeah, correct. Right. So it's interesting to see, like you've been doing this since 2008. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were giving away the game for free before, well, before most other people. Yeah. Not, and you weren't charging, right? So we mentioned those other names. You got Ron Grand, Carlton Sheets, and mm-hmm. that third guy. Mm-hmm. But they were selling courses. Yeah. You were giving the game away for free. Yeah. Why? Uh, because they were doing what they were doing. Like when I watched that uh, Carlton Sheets, was he recently passed, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and they say, hey, Carlton helped me make this much money. Carlton made me. That's fine. How did you make mm-hmm. the money? So... My approach was for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to be different. There's a famous line in this movie, uh, American Gangster with Denzel Washington, when he's showing his brothers his operation. They're walking up the stairs, and uh, he said, I have a, a product that's better than the competition and cheaper than the competition. So better was I really gave real value just from my personal experiences, and it was free. So, but so why? But, but so so number one to be different. The next thing was is that my vision was and is to have like-minded individuals individuals that I could partner with all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. And if I help you make money in Dallas, I help you make money in um, I don't know Houston or Chicago, D.C., New York, whatever. I can reach out to those individuals at any time. And say I have this property here. You know, will you go take a look? What do you think about it? Blah blah blah. And we both make money on it. Yeah. And so I somewhat put that out there through fifty fifty dot deals, not dot com. Fifty fifty dot deals. And I started getting leads in, um, but to my, I didn't I didn't understand. 
um, number one, that I wanted to put that much energy. I thought I did because most people, and I try to emphasize this in a lot of my videos, what's a great deal or not. And people, that's the hardest thing because a lot of times people are just so excited someone talk to them uh, about actually selling a house or buying a house or whatever. And so, um, um, and so I get a, you get a lot of stuff that has no chance of being a deal. But what I should have been doing that entire time, but that's been out there two or three years, is training those people, hey, this is where you make the mistake at, you know, go back and do it like this. That's what Keegley has done with Jamil now. Mm -hmm. You know, basically, that's what I wanted to do from the first time I did a video in 08, but they're actually pulling it off. Yeah. I just left their offices. You, well, you see I, what I'm saying? I wouldn't say that you didn't do it, right? I mean, oh, you did no, it. No, 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 no. I didn't. I, I, that was my intent. Ah. That was my intent. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's part of why I'm partnering with him. He's already has the infrastructure up there. Why would I try to duplicate what he's doing? And yeah. I, I don't need all the money. I just need a yes, a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, let them make uh, some. Mm -hmm. Keegan makes some. We all win. So, but that was my intent. So you say, why did I start to put out the free videos? Partly because I wanted to be different than what was already out there at that time, and then also just to have a network of individuals that I've helped feed their families, and hopefully, you know, I can reach out to them if I have a property that I want to, you know, in the area. So, so let's talk about that, right? right? You know, we talked about creating multiple millionaires, multiple six-figure earners. How are you? Because I get this question: mm -hmm. How are you verifying who's done what? Well, um, a lot of times, and, and I guess that they've taken the time out to, to do it, it's on them, but, man, I get pictures of checks all the time yeah, or whatever. Um, I had one individual, and I, I lost his number. I don't know what I, I don't know why I didn't knock it in my phone. And he was, like, one of my very first students, like maybe in 09 or 10. Oh. And he started in the, in the, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. And he called me just out of the blue one day, man. He said, I was just looking up some videos, about it. He said, man, since you taught me the initial thing about wholesaling and stuff, I said, man, I've made $17 million. No. He, said, he said, I live in uh, D.C. now, and, you know, I do most, you know, because the prices of real estate there is similar to here in Los Angeles. You know, mm -hmm. he said, no, that's, that's where I make most of my money right now or whatever. $17 million. He said, $17 million. Well, that's over 10 years, but just still nothing to sneeze at. You know, so yeah, that was pretty good money. Yeah, so <laughs> um, and then my guy out in um, um, uh, California Riverside, um, which he he posts all the time or whatever. Uh, Chris the Shark, mm -hmm. yeah, he um, he started watching my videos or yeah. whatever, and uh, I've been out there to visit him, and he's real. Oh, he's real. Chris is real. <laughs> he's real. No, you can't say anything bad about hey, Chris. I've personally been to my homeboy's house. He's real. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So, um, and it's, you know, I, I have interviews, man. You know, people start, some of them just the first deal. Um, I had a couple out of D.C. They made 70 grand on their first deal, and they left a hun another 100 and I think another 100 on the table in that deal just because she was, that's her heart mm -hmm. or whatever. She wanted the lady to make more money. You know, she could have. They could have even made anywhere between 107 and 190 on that first deal, yeah. or whatever. And they right. just watched the videos. Most most of my uh, interviews and success stories come from people just watching the videos that never have paid me for any coaching or anything, or whatever. And that that's natural because the information is free. So you know you're gonna have more people take yeah, advantage sure. of the yeah. free versus the paid or whatever. It's gonna yeah. reach more people that way. So, so I think one of the things I want to hit on right is we're doing this. Because I get that question too, like, why am I doing this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's a benefit to you, yeah. 
Right. So you want to talk about how it's impacted your life. Like given this, uh, in fact, Sean Terry, when he was on the show, we talked about it, right? Just giving this all away for free, it makes your life better. I, 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 you can't even put a price on it, man. Um, like, man, you know, money's not everything, but incidentally, it deals with everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The things that matter in the sense of shelter, food, you know, the basics. Now, obviously, it doesn't take millions of dollars to feed people no. or whatever, but whenever you can uh, affect individuals positively because people can use that energy to do something illegal that can affect plenty of other people negatively, you know. So yeah. um, if I have that opportunity to have changed some people's lives financially that may benefit them throughout generations because they can pass that knowledge down to their kids, grandkids, and so on, man, you can't put a price on that, you know. Right. And being just, you know, not to be racial or anything here, but, you know, uh, as far as my community just – as far as blacks or whatever, uh, we just have to have more of that, man. You know, yeah. just you know, people that know what I'm listening to, we got to have more of uplifting each other and putting things out there positive or whatever. And um, I know we were talking earlier about um, uh, not having ads on your uh, YouTube uh, monetization, and I'm probably going to change that listening to Brent or to. whatever because uh, they're going to push you up, mm-hmm. up the other thing. But um, uh you know, people tend to, you'll see millions of, of views on foolishness. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you, you're putting out this content, and I put out a stream. We get 2,500 views. You know, we're giving out, like, millions of dollars of information, mm-hmm. and you only have 2,500 views. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> when you put it like that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it is. It is. And, um Gangnam Style have a billion. I know. Yeah, that's crazy. It's catchy. It's catchy too, though. Yeah, it was a good video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, going back to what you mentioned earlier, because I think there's so much truth to that. Like, I've I've shared. I've spent over a quarter million, you know, in personal uh, development. I got you. Uh, Chris, who was here just a moment ago, who's another fan of yours, who watched a lot of your videos. Uh-huh. He was in that seat just an hour ago. He spends hundreds of th- he spends a hundred thousand a year in personal development. Wow. Right. And we have all these guys who we reach this pillar because we invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we come on the show and we give it away for free. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Why is there only 2,500 reviews? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a whole nother problem, but yeah. it is fascinating to see because yeah. there's millions and millions of dollars here. Yes. <laughs> I have a better way of explaining it. Yeah. And people will reach out to me. And I don't want people to take this the wrong way because I put my phone number out there so I know what comes with it or whatever. But um, if I refer someone back to a video because of a question that you may have texted or, or DM me or actually called me, it's not because I'm being rude or I don't have time for you, but you show me you don't even have the time for yourself, you know, to educate yourself because you're asking a question that I've answered over and over again in a number of videos. And I know people want to get right to it because you may be suffering what you may, uh, your situation as far as financially, you want to get to it really fast and make this money. But you got to look at this as a long-term play. If someone wants to be a physician, I think it takes them between 8 to 12 years to be a physician. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell, and they spend a couple hundred grand to do that, right? You mean to tell me you can't take three months out of your life and tackle free information and you can literally make more money than they make? Yeah. I don't know another way of putting it. 
You know, so if you don't have the patience to educate yourself, real estate is not the business for you anyway because it takes patience in real estate. It takes a lot of grit. Yes. And so, um, a better way of putting it, educate yourself to give yourself the best chance of succeeding yep. by simply knowing what you're doing. Right. 100%. And I have this, right, because I talk about the 100 millionaires. And people ask me, like, you know, like, how do I become 100 millionaires? I tell them there's one of two ways. Right, the content we put here—if you just go and do it, you're gonna become a millionaire. Like, there's no secrets here. No secrets. Only thing I can do, right? If we, you know, we're coaching together, is we can shorten that mm-hmm. from five to seven years to like two to four years. Mm-hmm. That's what I can help with. But everything here, what you put out, what I put out, what Max puts out, Sean Terry's putting out—you can make a million dollars with free information. Oh yeah. 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 That's- I don't know anything else that's being given like that. I'm sure it is. You know, I don't know. But um, that's really practical. You right. know, if I want to be a music producer, somebody may be giving out free, free information. But I think I may have to have a certain level of talent to be, <laughs> to be able to create some music someone wants to listen to. Talking about your being mechanically inclined, that yeah. would be me with musically inclined. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so you started in 2008. And I, we, were, we were at lunch earlier, and you had mentioned that it's kind of uh, blown up, mm-hmm. right? Like in the last four, uh, like about four years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're putting this out there, you're putting this out there, and there's nothing. I imagine in the beginning, like not very much is happening, mm-hmm. right? It's that, you know, you're planting that seed, you're planting that seed. When did you actually notice traction on the um, YouTube? Uh, on YouTube, um, I think once I got over 10,000 subscribers, mm-hmm. and I was probably doing some things, I don't know how many of those are legitimate either, because I was doing some things, you know, you know, what they call the black hat stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I realized, hey, you, they're going to shut you down if you keep doing that. So, yep. you know, because I was always studying stuff, you know, listen to this guy do this or Hacks. that. Or, you know, they're just shortcuts or whatever. Yeah. And, um, um, it's, it's just fortunate for me because I just like doing it. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I really wasn't trying to make real money with it. You know what I'm saying? It just really would only be enough to maybe pay a phone bill, someone else's phone bill or something like that yeah. when I say a smartphone or whatever. So it wasn't really that much. Then, like I said, it just jumped at some point to maybe like two grand in a month. Yeah. And then the next month, it was the same thing. Then it may have doubled. And then it didn't go down from that. You know what right. I'm saying? And this, but Gary Vee talks about this, yeah. right? Like, you don't see the traction necessarily in the beginning, right? Oh. Like, you put that video and, like, maybe, like, your mom watches it. Yeah. Right? And you put out, like, 10 more videos and, like, your mom and, like, some of your cousins watch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And then it takes a while Oh yeah. to someone's like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking yeah. about. How long did that take? Wow, man. You know what, uh, Steve? I would have to go back and sort of look at some of uh, the numbers on it because, man, it's been 12 years. And you have to just realize that I was doing it just because that was my thing. I'm just a really boring person. (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? I don't think uh, anyone that watches you thinks that thinks that you're boring. Man, you, you need to go back to 08, you know, 09. <laughs> I'm just sitting there. Now, I may sound like I know what I'm talking about or whatever. And um, um, I just like doing it. So I can't really tell you why um, 
I, I can't even, I don't know. Um, yeah. That's one of those things. I just do know after listening, like you say, Gary and V, I'm like, oh, I was doing that, but I didn't know I was doing it. I was just putting out useful stuff or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? So um, I just, like I said, I just noticed it as far as the money I've generated from it or generate from it, where the bump came in, you know, about four years ago. About four years ago. So, yeah. I mean, really, like maybe eight years of just kind of. Yeah, just really just teetering, you know, nothing, yeah. you know, it's teetering, you know, just just well, strictly a hobby. Because I, I bring this up because, like, you know, Gary V, you know, everyone knows Gary V. Well, yeah. most people. Most people. Outside of entrepreneurship, people don't know who Gary V is. Like, I told my friends, like, hey, I'm going to be sharing a stage with Gary V. They're like, yeah. who is that? It's like, okay, fine. So entrepreneurs know who Gary yeah, V is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but before Gary V was Gary V, <coughs> he, he was this, wine show. he was the crazy wine guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have... Friends tell me, like, dude, you got to check out this crazy wine guy on YouTube. Yeah. Right? He's just talking about wine and screaming at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? But that's kind of how he got started. Yeah. And so you went through this. So it wasn't, but it was no sweat to you that you weren't catching traction because you were doing it for you and nobody else initially. Exactly. Gotcha. Because exactly. I think, you know, we talked about When did about, YouTube start? You remember? You know, the actual year? I think they got bought around 2004, 2005. Okay. So... So I, it, so I was a little, I wouldn't say I was late to the party in a sense, but as far as real estate, I was one of the early, one right. of the early, early adopters for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think the point here is important because if you look at, you know, Jamil, we just had, mm-hmm. you know, again, over lunch, yeah. he's talking about how he still feels uncomfortable making yeah. posts on yeah. social media. And so a lot of the guys that are listening, they're thinking about like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Is it too late? Or, you know, what if I put something out there and it flops? Well, well and I'm, I'm I'm going to talk to him about it. He's concerned about that part of it. He just Jamil has so much to offer. He should just do podcasts. Yeah. Forget about the inst- you don't have to do it all. That's one of the things Gary V says. That's just one some channel. Pe- yeah. Some people think you know they they're good at written word or whatever blogs and you know just articles on on Facebook, LinkedIn, and all these places. Jamil can just do podcast. They never have to see him. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, and because he's so knowledgeable and his story is so unique, and he's, you know, what he is in the game, yeah. or whatever, he could just do. He never has to do a, a, a have a profile on Instagram or anything like that. Yeah. You so, know, so let's talk about some of these listeners that are getting into the game. Yeah. Right? So like you know they they're doing deals. They're doing two deals a month. Yeah. Just say hypothetically. Okay. And you know they've got like ten friends on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Again, hypothetically Instagram. Yeah. What are you, what do you want to tell the guys? Like, look, just do it. Like, yeah, just 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 chronicle your daily activity, and that's not me coming up with anything original. That's yeah. what Gary V said. We're gonna probably bring him up a lot here, and we continue <laughs> to talk about this. Yeah, just chronicle what you're doing on a daily day activity. Don't worry about if it's, it sounds stupid or whatever. People are interested, especially if the activities are real. Mm-hmm. Just real, you know. Now, there are different ways of going about it. People love to show what they may have and all that. That's fine. You're going to have that crowd or whatever. Me personally, uh, people want to see that from me. I've had people to ask me stuff like, what kind of car you drive, all that. I can tell you what kind of car I drive, you know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. not going to probably show it because I don't like to be noticed. Now, now I, I clown around in my little we buy houses car and I need to get 10 on that or whatever. <laughs> and I've been trying to, I've been saying I was going to do it for the last two months mm-hmm. or whatever because I don't even want them to know, you know, whatever. I just do it and I hadn't gotten one deal off of it. 
<laughs> and I've had it for over a year. I've trained yeah. I had two cars and uh, two cars with it on there. But but it breaks the ice when I show up. They I think it makes them feel that I'm dead serious when I show up. Yeah. That if it does nothing else. Now I've had people to call on it, just hadn't produced a deal from the numbers and website and everything on it. But my point is, is that I don't uh I just try to keep my personal life, which is very boring. Number one, you won't you'll be like you're not going to be entertained with it anyway mm-hmm. or whatever. Just I just keep it separate because I just want to put out values for us. You know, hey, how can you make money to in, the, in this business and change your finances if that's your goal or whatever. Yeah. So, But the other stuff works too That because you have a segment of people that attracts them or whatever. It gets their attention. Let me just say that yeah. or whatever. So I'm Great not attention, Garibus, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. – um, Derek's asking about no picture. Yeah, guys, sorry. For some reason, the feed froze. The full video will be uh, available later on, on YouTube, but right now the video is unfortunately uh, down. So, you know, there's, uh, I would say, there's an undercurrent, or maybe it's a full-blown current, I don't know, mm-hmm. of like this anti-guru movement, right? I've heard it. And clearly you're not a guru, because you and I are talking about some of the crap that we've had to go through. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate the one of people even... <laughs> Not but a guru, man. like right now, like how much, like what are you doing today? What does your business look like today? Well, um, I've done something I hadn't done in the entire time I've been in real estate, which is uh, seventeen as of seventeen years as of January of this year. Last year, I actually started hiring people that I go into an office every day. Now I, I went ahead and got an office for myself quote-unquote in a studio it's just a small room not much bigger than this one uh probably double this you know size or whatever i have my like executive man. suite yeah i have my uh, my flip man thing up that never comes down and then i just the offer stuff you know in between that or whatever so um so i have uh two two ladies that work with me my nephew which i basically just giving money to and um um, and then I have a, a young lady in in the Bahamas mm-hmm. that does probably the most of my grunt work because she's she has no accent um, and she knows real estate and she really was a VA for a lot of other people and she just reached out to me one day out of the blue and said that uh, she was just tired of making four hundred or two hundred dollars a week and she know they just made thirty and she feels like she really put the entire deal together. I said. You don't have to worry about that with me. <laughs> I said, I'll give you half any deal that you work on. Oh, really? Yeah, and pay her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I don't personally like to do it. You know mm. what I'm saying? I do it out of, because I like to eat, as you can tell, or whatever. <laughs> so um, they, they can't tell. The video's so frozen. I, the value that she has, I, I, it's, you know, I still give her a base. You know, because, you know, you're going to have your little dry spells or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's only like a couple hundred dollars a week, you know, but that's a lot of money for the money exchange in her in our, in our market or whatever. So, uh, but, you know, she's valuable, you know, and working here with Kegel, I just read with the guys over there, we're trying to iron out some of the things because we're sending a lot of deals over there to them. And so she's going to filter out stuff now for me in the markets where they're not as popular or has a, a foothold on because there still may be some opportunities there. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't told her yet, but that's what she's going to start doing. There but you so, go. Um, but that's what it looks like now. I focus a lot on still houses, but I target uh, multifamily and self-storage. Those are two other types of properties that uh, that I target. So. so a lot of people are talking about multifamily today. Yeah. Not a lot of t- people are talking about self-storage. A few people, mm-hmm. wealthier individuals, yeah. predominantly, as yeah. who are here talking about self-storage. 
Yeah. Let's let's elaborate on that. Well, I'm targeting the mom and pop stuff. Okay. Right. Um, anywhere from we'll say 50 units and really up, but normally 50 units or so, because uh, normally you can get the, the decision maker on the phone. Gotcha. And in the surrounding areas of markets, maybe a little si- outside of a, a larger market, you'll see in some of the smaller communities, you'll still see self-storage or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can get in contact with them. So that, what, that's, is, what is your goal when you're working at self-storage? Um, I'm still wholesaling it. Okay. You know, that's just me. So you got a buyer in your pocket still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gotcha. still wholesaling, yeah. So what is your target fee when you're doing self-storage? Um, it's profit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because a lot, the way I always looked at it, um, sometimes, you know, I make a mistake on the numbers. Mm-hmm. But if I can still make money on it. And if it's a new buyer, say if I only make uh, $2,500 versus $25,000, he just paid me $25,000 to be added. I mean, $2,500 to be added to my buyer's list. Right. It's just the numbers didn't work out. That was my error. I won't make that mistake again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just a learning curve. So. Right. Um, but this, it, because um, uh, sometimes the units are small or whatever, but the, it's a unique cash flowing opportunity because mm-hmm. you take a lot of the landlording out of it. You don't have to worry about uh, plum, uh, plumbing, stopped up toilets, uh, heating and air not working. Uh, well, I guess that could be an issue depending if it's climate control, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. So you're yeah. just not dealing with the everyday uh, tenant issues that you would with uh, self-storage. Not as many complaints. Not as many, yeah. So Lionel Young wants to know, you know, if you were in Phoenix, you know, I don't know if you want to come here first. I'm, but I'm here. I'm talking about Oh, I mean like competition. Here. Oh, competition. Okay, go ahead. All right. So yeah. you were trying to wholesale in Phoenix and you had a burner phone and you had $200. What would you do? Well, now I'm, I'm stealing this from Jamil, even though I sort of preach it myself, but he sort of like made it even more clear to me. I would probably uh, target, um, and I, I, I'm going to throw this tip out there. I showed a guy this yesterday. And um, I didn't check it, but I showed it to him because I don't know the number of uh, Section 8 properties that are out here. I would go to this website, gosection8.com, put in Phoenix, Arizona, right? And I don't know what the counties are out here. And I would start reaching out to landlords on single-family, well, multifamily also, but definitely single-family properties. Because a lot of times on that particular website, right, you can... um, actually talk to the owner mm-hmm. versus a property manager or a um what's the other word uh, a real estate agent because sometimes they manage properties for uh owners and you call them all right you still got the 200 in your pocket you call them and you say hey is this property still available when they say yes or no i sort of went through this yesterday on the other show uh you it doesn't matter. You say, well, hey, I didn't call about renting the property. Would you be interested in selling it? And whether he says yes or no on that, um, if he says no, then you say, do you have any other properties you would be interested in selling? Because sometimes that may not be the troubled property. Mm-hmm. Another property that he owns may be the troubled property. Okay. All right. So assume he wants to sell one of multiple or multiple of his properties. What if he gives you a price that's not a wholesale price? Now, you have to remember these guys love cash flow in most cases, but they don't love the landlording side of it anymore. Yeah. Right. And so you may offer him some creative financing 
to take away the landlording side of it, but he can still receive cash flow from the property. And so once you get into the creative financing, you know, owner financing, or depending if he has a mortgage or anything, all that will vary. You get into subject to or lease options or just a yeah. straight owner finance deal. So that's what I would do. What was his name? What was his name? Um, Lionel Young. Lionel Young. That's what I would do, Lionel Young. So uh, uh, you Jamil go. just popped in, so he probably heard all that. Don't listen to that, Jamil. It won't work for you. Yeah, it won't work for you, Jamil. <laughs> go away. <laughs> all right. Uh, Brandon Vega wants to know, what, is, what has been your greatest failure? Wow. As far as real estate? Yeah. Um, man, so many. Um well, the greatest failure is what I wasn't prepared for the the 07, 08, 09 uh, subpriming, subprime lending fallout. I should have been prepared. I should have had so much. Because I don't have an extravagant lifestyle or whatever, but I was you giving did when a, you were making money. I, I was giving away a lot of money, and I don't <laughs> want to tell you how, but uh, I was giving away a lot of money yeah. or whatever. So, um, and I, that's, the, that's the biggest mistake. I should have... I should have just really got loaded, you know, once yeah. that happened. Um, you know. Oh, and the second biggest mistake is is that uh me being um lazy and comfortable, however you want to title it, I've had so many deals that I've turned away that should have turned into create to uh some form of owner financing. Even if I did want to keep the property or some of the properties, I still could have wholesaled out the terms, right. either to an end user or an actual investor. So, yeah, there you go. Um, let's see what else is here. Got a lot of props, a lot of fans. Um, Byron Stewart wants to know what's the best way you, uh, for you to find buyers. Um, man, dealing with um, uh, after dealing with Jamil, he makes you feel like everything you knew before was <laughs> is crap. <laughs> but since I'm not Keegan, I'm just gonna tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I'm just gonna go through a few ways that you can pick out what you think is the best. Um, number one, the way I was taught and the way I teach it is, you know, great deals or create a buyers list. Mm. You know, um, that I'm just gonna start there and I'll go into a couple others. And what I mean by that is. Um, if you have a great deal, now some of it will depend on what part of town it's in because you'll have some buyers that don't buy in certain parts, buy vice versa or whatever. But you can only sell that property to one individual. But if you have a property that 10, 20 people call you on and you literally get, we'll just say 14 offers, even though you may not have got offers from those other 19, you can only sell it to one person, right? So those other 19, you're going to keep their information for future deals, mm -hmm. right? And so when I say their information, obviously their contact information, name, phone number. You want to know what other areas they like to buy in, the, the minimum number of bedrooms and bath, uh, what price range they like to deal in, obviously, if I didn't say areas, and then how many they buy per month. Right. And, you know, obviously you assume how fast they normally close or they use a hard money or they're using their own money. All right. So that's one way. Um, uh, networking, which is which is what I've been lacked on. I'm trying to improve myself on that. Um, believe it or not. Um, and I think uh, I don't have the video. It'll be coming out. Um, it's an update on PropStream, a.k.a. Deerulator, um, that we did uh, with some of the guys over there. And um 
Um, they have a feature there that are, where you can filter out um, properties that were sold for cash. I'm sorry, properties that um, a cash uh, there was a cash purchase, and then they listed it a few months later with a an agent. Normally, that's going to be a flipper, mm-hmm. right? And so they have a, a filter that I think is um, it's titled flippers. And then if you did it as a uh, an MLS sale, sold through MLS, you can reach out to those real estate agents, right, and mm-hmm. see what their cash buyers or buyer, what areas they like to buy in. That's right. a, that's another way that you can do it. Um, other wholesalers, right? I asked you, you can. Obviously, do use those also. You want to definitely go to your real meetings. Um, some of them, some real meetings are better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I can just tell you that are more active than others. Um, I like to use bandit signs to attract buyers. Uh, what you can do is you can promote just um, uh, we buy houses. I'm sorry, not we buy house house for sale, cheap your phone number along with the website. And the website gives them an opportunity to go there to number one to see what properties you have available, but also you can uh, put a a, a, uh, a form there where they can submit their contact information for a deal alert. So now you can have an email address along with a cell phone number yep. and you can blast out your deals through email and or Text message, which text message is my preference. So, um, Alex Blake wants to know: Is there a best book or course to learn for creative financing? Um, I don't know if does uh, does Pace have a course out? We have all been kicking his butt. Yeah. So you know, I think we're a week or two away. Maybe he can chime in here, but I th- I, I think we. Where he's like a week or two away. Okay, but well, I think he's been a week or two away. Well, for like well a when few him weeks just now. call him, he'll tell you. <laughs> he'll yeah. give you a course over the phone. Just call. He would. He would. Yeah, just hit him up on Instagram, Pace Morby. Yeah, so I would say definitely Pace will have the best course. So yeah, definitely be on a lookout for that, guys. We got Kathy R. Says she's been a big fan of Flipman since 2009. That sounds good. That's right, man. I was around. Yeah, I was around. Thanks, Kathy. Yeah, and Paul says uh, glad to hear your story. Very smart, every man. So that's cool. Um. So what else is there? So let's go back to a few different things right here. One second. So right now you're getting deals. Like what is your number one lead source today? Text message. Text. Yeah. All right. So talk about that. I mean, how do you do you track how many text messages you send a day? We week? only believe it or not, we only probably send out um like hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. Because the response is so it, it we have to be careful on the follow-up or yeah. whatever um and maybe because i only have one person i trust with it yeah that's part of my problem why we want to do it. but it still like generates enough leads where she's on my butt about getting someone out there to at least go drive by the property yeah. or whatever and stuff so that's number one i, st- I still do google adwords believe it or not steve <laughs> That's good. I I, I, I I gave up on that in 2018. Yeah, I still do Google AdWords, and um, we're, I don't we're, s- we're at 45 dollars a click out here. Really? A click. Th- we're we're 20, 20. I think it's. I'm sorry. It's probably like at 16. Yeah, I'll do 16. Yeah. Yeah, we're at 45 a click. Yeah. yeah. Um, over 300 per appointment, mm-hmm. and 
A sale. A sale. I think we're, I don't know. When I gave up, I was like, this number's too much. We're not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind, I have multiple ways to move it, right? I can wholesale it. Mm -hmm. I can buy it. Yeah. I can list it. Yeah. I have three exit strategies with it. Yeah. And none of those. It's still not worth it. It's still not worth it. It's still not worth it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only reason I'm keeping it around because I I was, was close to giving up on it. The only reason I'm keeping it around is because I'm going to do some creative financing on this, too. Yeah, I think now, 23 a click, you yeah. should definitely. Yeah. Now, let me just say this now. Um, I also target multifamily that way also. Yeah. You know, so. That's smart. There's not a lot of people doing that. But but I, I target the entire country, though, instead of just my market. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I target the entire country, yeah. Uh, what would you consider to be your superpower? Um... <laughs> um Wow. Um, uh, really, just I don't think I'm better than anyone else. You know yeah. what? What I do, um, what I've done, I don't think and no one else can't not do. Um, I'm not the smartest, especially academically. I know that not not always a measurement of how smart you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe the that when I say I'm not better than anyone else, but what may separate me from some others is that um, I do know where my weaknesses are, right? Um, but I'm not going to allow that to be an excuse on why I don't do something mm-hmm. because it's just too much technology out here, man, as far as being able to technically do things or to get someone else to do something that you don't know how to do at a very cheap price. And so I understand that part of it as far as knowing what I am good at and knowing what I'm really bad at or whatever. Yeah. I try to stay away from that and just get help with it. So gotcha. that, that's a superpower, just knowing, you know, who and what I'm capable of. Knowing your limits. Over, yeah. And you can play your roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be overconfident. You know, yeah. I've got some friends like that. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reginald wants to know, uh, triple net lease question. Do you still do it? Do you still do that? Um, not as much as I should, um, uh, um, Reginald. Um, and it's one of my as I'm as one of my weaknesses is organization, and that takes a lot of organization and putting someone in place to pound off those, all of those calls to national tenants. And what he's talking about is finding a, a vacant uh, retail spot. You may find an old, um, I don't know, Burger King, but on the right side there's a McDonald's, on the left side there's a Wendy's, and across the street there's a Walgreens. And then you got 40,000 40, cars passed by traffic. That's an ideal spot for a triple net opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you tie it up. Right, you tied up the pad. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, the location still may have a building there, um, and you get a commitment from a national tenant, maybe a Starbucks, on a fifteen-year lease, triple net. You know, they pay the taxes, insurance, and mortgage. I'm sorry, taxes, insurance, and maintenance on the building. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you have that that LOI saying that they'll do that fifteen-year lease, oh, you have something to value if you got that property at a decent price. Right, we'll just say it's seven hundred thousand dollars, but once you get that triple net lease, right? If you put it out there at eight cap, you may be at one point two million or whatever, and you'll have buyers all over the country that may be interested in that. Yeah, sounds easy, 
But the hard oh. part is getting that triple net tenant to commit. I have no uh, illusions. In the, time, in the time frame that's needed. I have no illusions yeah. of that being easy. Triple yeah. net, commercial, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. The, most of those people don't want to be bothered. Yeah. There you go. Um, let's see. Con- Creative Control Media says he's having some problems here in, in, in South Jersey. Do you, do you think potentially South Jersey could be a problem, could be difficult to wholesale in? Um, is all How big of a population are you dealing, dealing with? Are you considered part of um, uh, suburban Philadelphia? Yeah. All right. So we'll wait for him to answer that question. Lionel wants to know what book have you read that you strongly recommend? I'm not a reader. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm not a reader. Yeah. Um, Bobby says that he will do video work for free. Bobby can know he'll do video work for free if he gets to hang out with you. Where is he? Uh, he's in Phoenix. Oh, I'm just here till tomorrow. Huh? Yeah. So. Maybe he's talking to you. No, no, he's talking to you for that ticket. That ticket we're giving away. Oh, okay. He says that if you can. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah. Um, Oh, you'll do video for the where, where we're going to the game tonight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I guess I guess you could be the winner. Okay. There you go, Bobby. Yeah. Bobby Canote. I think I think it was called Bobby Cuhan. I don't know what Jamil was calling him earlier. It was something interesting. <laughs> so congratulations, Bobby. You're getting the ticket. You get to hang out with Jamil Pace and the Flipman tonight at the Clippers game. That's a hot ticket. Oh yeah, yeah. That should be his Kawhi playing tonight. I uh, I would imagine so. Man, I wish I could go. Um, so we were talking about the books. Um, what is your? What are you struggling with right now? I mean, you got lots of things popping for you. What are you struggling with? Um, this this um, uh, we're trying to iron out the kinks on this new thing with uh, Keegley, where I'm referring um, um, uh, individuals to send their deals through Deglated.com. Mm-hmm. Just trying to make sure people understand, you know, what we're really looking for. And the hardest thing is is just uh, people understanding what is a good deal. You know, yeah. now it's going to be relative to your market, to your part of the market. Yeah. Um, whether it's in an A, B, C, D neighborhood and all the factors that go into it, understanding what the true ARV is, what are the repairs, and then the price that you and the seller have agreed upon yeah. or whatever. And it needs to be off market. My definition of off market is, is that it's not advertised anywhere on the internet for sale. That yeah. is my definition of off market. So I think this is a great point because I get this question a lot, you know, about coaching. And, you know, I can help someone find deals. I can help someone hire. I can help them close a deal. I can help them sell a deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I can't help people with is how do you learn to comp a deal? Do you have anything for that? Wow, I have videos on it. I've um, and I've been. Um, I can some, just send them to that video. Uh, yeah, you can. But um, okay, you know. See, the thing is, each see, I can give you just some basic stuff. Right, rules of thumb. And, and a lot of times, people are doing it outside of their market. Some things you just won't know unless you know the climate or the perception of certain neighborhoods. Yeah. Right? Okay, you may see on Zillow or even through PropStream or whatever service you're using, um, and the comps say uh, within three blocks, three, a point three miles, that the eight the houses are selling for 250 
No, but you could have one main street that cuts through that point three. Eight mile, for example. Yeah, yeah. And eight, and the prices drop in half. Yeah. That's small stuff that is hard to get people to understand. Yeah. Or whatever. So I've had a lot of people call, you know, ironically from Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it is so hard because it's literally street by street how much it can change wow. in value. So they do well because everyone else is confident wrong and they know the real value. Yeah. But man, for someone new, that's. Yeah, for someone new, that's that's tough. That's tough. Because we'll say all this stuff and they say, well, I did exactly what you said, too. <laughs> <sighs> it's really it's really market specific. Yeah. All yeah. right. So Creative Control says, yeah, he's right by Philly. So 10 minutes from Philly. Okay. All right. So yeah, go- you're good. Yeah, so you're basically in the Philadelphia market. You know, don't – okay, if you're not comfortable with, quote, unquote, South New Jersey, just focus on Philly. There's a lot of activity there. That's a huge market. Yeah. That's a huge market. You know, the sky's the limit for you, my man. All right. I love it. Uh, Michelle Sidney wants to know, do you think sub two is a good option for a first deal? By the way, we're still, we're, we're back on video. Okay, good. All right. Um, is it? Um, yeah. If you understand what you're doing, just like with any other form of it. It's paperwork involved, but, you know, there, there are going to be tons of options out there. And, again, you can hit Pace up. And uh, through Instagram, he'll be glad to share his knowledge with you. You know, you just have to just cut him in on the deal. That'll be worth worth it, you know? Yep, yep. Yes. Perfect. All right. So I'm going to let you think about what thoughts you want to leave the listeners with. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make a couple quick announcements. So, guys, uh, again, Max and I, we've got our, uh, our event uh, on April 17th and 19th. If you guys are interested, go to disruptors.com. We've got incredible feedback. Uh, it's a two-and-a-half-day event. Uh, people have said they love the transparency. They love the amount of details because we were really deep into our business. So if you're interested in doubling your business, check it out, disruptors.com. See if it makes sense for you. Uh, next week, we got Chris Jefferson flying in. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, before I, I, I give it back to Flipman, I just want to, you know, pay homage. Like, you know, you were giving the game, like, again, you were giving the game away for free, before, as far as I know, before anybody else. So props to you, you know, you laid that groundwork for a lot of us to, to, to come up, right? So, you know, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Yes, sir. So, last thoughts. Um, well, um, I, I'd like to always talk to the newbies. Um, people that are just learning about wholesaling or whatever. Yeah, it sounds good on the surface, and a lot of money can be made, and it can springboard you into pretty much any level of real estate that you want to get into because of the income uh, that can be made in, um, um, from flipping to whatever. You know, I personally think wholesaling is a better option because the return on investment dwarfs, a.k.a., you know, buy, fix, and flip, but money can be made with both. So, number one, Understand that it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is a get-rich-quick method. And I mean, it is a get-rich method, not necessarily quick. And rich is, is defined in a lot of ways. $100,000 may be rich for someone. Oh, you can get quick rich quick in this business then if that's your goal mm-hmm. or whatever. But um, understand that if you educate yourself, there's a lot of free information out there from me to Steve, to Max, and to Brent, to whoever, to Pace, to Jamil. Um, if you educate yourself, you've just increased your chances of succeeding in this business tremendously. But the work still needs to be put in. 
It works there, and it takes a large degree of patience. Now, understand that if you're in a smaller market, when I say a smaller market, probably under 75,000 people, right, then you're going to probably have to do some virtual wholesaling. All right, now there's still opportunities out there through me, uh, definitely through Keegley, through to this group, through I guess Steve or whoever. If if you reach out, uh, and the way that I would do it is reach out to landlords in those markets. You can use sites like GoSection8.com, which they're not as 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 uh, strong in some markets versus others. And reach out to landlords. Try to get the actual owner on the phone if you can bypass property managers and or uh, real estate agents that are managing the properties for them. That's going to probably be the quickest way to find a deal because from my experience, all the marketing dollars I've spent and methods, the largest group of people that are going to be motivated to sell a piece of real estate cheap are going to be tired landlords. And you can just be proactive and reaching out to them before they get to that point that they just call a real estate agent or call someone else's we buy houses signs or respond to a postcard or whatever. Just be proactive, you know, because you it's timing, you know. So you call enough of them, the timing will fall in place for you. Exactly. You got to do the activities. Yes, yes. Uh, someone wants to get a hold of you. How, how did they do that? Um, I'm all over the place, but um, so on Instagram, Facebook. I'm sorry, well, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Uh, ask Flipman uh, on YouTube. Just go there and just do Flipman. I'll pop up. And if you want to join my wholesaling uh, real estate with Flip with the Flipman uh, Facebook group, uh, just go there and just uh, request a uh, sign in, and um, you know you can get in there. So over fifty thousand people in that group right now. The date of this video, and you know people in there to help each other. I'm in there more than I've been recently. I try to go in there at least every morning that you know to maybe answer a few questions or whatever. So. So boom, there you go. So much, so much. Awesome. Um, thank you. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for watching.